welcome to Glass Half Full Moon, where if we didn't use good boys to sniff out bad men, Full Moon Features would go out of business. I am your host tonight, Gabe, and with me is my co-host, Casey. Casey, I have a question for you. I might have an answer, as always. What kind of romance content have you been consuming lately? What kind of, like, romantic, uh, perhaps... uh, TV shows or streaming shows have you been consuming as of late? Um, have you heard of the Junji Ito tale of Tomie where all the boys around her fall in love with her to the point where they absolutely have to tear her into pieces and murder her? That's the, yes. that's, that's, that's what I've been into lately. I was, I was setting you up to talk about the new Velma show, but apparently we've gone past that now. <laughs> For a note, I've been watching the new Velma show. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. But it's a train wreck, and so I can't stop watching it. So, in regards to that, do you want to know what isn't a train wreck? Uh, this movie. This movie? The, tonight we watched Dark Angel The Ascent. And... Casey, I'm going to ask you, but I think I know what you're going to say. Was this a good movie? It wasn't a bad movie. I wouldn't say it was a good movie. It was passable. It wasn't the I, worst I've seen. I actually quite... I, 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 I would like to say I'm... I agree with you. It's it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It's passable. But I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. It had its moments where it was way too cliche and whatnot and way too... Uh, I don't know what... Cheesy? It was very cheesy. Right. So, the way that I could say it is, it's like, if they they did a lot of stereotypes, and they did... Or, rather, they did a lot of tropes, and they did a lot of, you know, full moon-isms, but they did them well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was very trope-filled, but also had some things that were incredibly subversive from what I was expecting. I want to go as far as to say if, so this film is a, so a lot of previous Full Moon movies we've watched have been described as uh, romantic horror, but this is one of the only ones, or rather this is the only one that I would say has done it right. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And even, I wouldn't even call it horror. I'd call it more black comedy. A little bit. Because there really isn't any true horror element to it. It's a little gory at times, but I wouldn't call it horror. Do you know why I think it was done right? Because it was directed by a woman. Because it was directed by a woman. This is our first full moon movie that was directed by a woman. And it shows. Uh, Our director is credited as L. Hassani. The L stands for Linda. I looked. I look. I have her on IMDb here. She hasn't done much, but apparently she is Linda. It, it is described here. Linda is a first-generation American of Swiss Iranian descent, who was born and raised in Baltimore. Okay, sure. But this film was very. I think more than any other Full Moon movie we've watched, felt like it was shot like a movie. Yeah. I completely agree. There was good lighting. There was good shot composition. There were decent practical effects. There were decent oh, yeah. uh, visual effects. 
Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can get into those. And and I would go as far as to say some pretty all right acting. Yeah. I I would agree. Our our lead lady Angela Featherstone, which sounds like a D and D character. Yeah, a little bit. But she does a good job with the stuff that she's given. She does. Um. So the whole premise of this movie is we get a fish out of water situation of a demon going to Earth for the first time and dealing with that. Like, should we just start talking? Let's just start about. So disclaimer. If you do really want to watch this movie, just go ahead and do that. Come back. It's like it's actually one of the longer full moon movies as well. Um, at, a, at an hour twenty, solid. Yeah, it's definitely one of the longer ones. Um, a little note that the opening credits will be titled as the Dark Angel. Uh, only the ascent was probably a tagline added on later, but this isn't. Um, it's not uncommon for movies to have a different, uh, working title. As opposed to the one that is actually released with. So. Right. The credits will read The Dark Angel, but the movie is Dark Angel The Ascent if you're looking for it on Full Moon's catalog. But also, some of the names in our opening credit roll are awesome. (laughs) Uh, What was it? Like Fizzbuzz or something? So, music composed and performed by Fuzzby Morse. Fuzzby Morse. And then the director of photography was named Vivi Dragan Vasil. I was like, that, these are some awesome names. This is some... I'm taking these names for, for like, ca- characters now in D&D. Like, this is... I'm really tempted to rename my next character Fuzzby. Or Fuzzby is either that or, like... A surname? A, or a YouTuber. <laughs> a VTuber named Fuzzby. Just a little, little B-boy. <laughs> so, our credit roll is overlaid... With a dissension through the dirt, down through the layers of earth, down into what is more than likely a depiction of the depths of hell. We get fire, we get torture, we get a good old Howie scream as a man is dragged through flaming fields with a cage on his head. What is, is that what it's called, the Howie scream? Yes, um, a lot of people are more familiar with the Wilhelm scream. Um, that particular one is called the Howie scream. It's the, I was going to say, I didn't. I was familiar with it, and I realized it has a. It, it's used frequently. I didn't know if it had a name or not, like the Wilhelm scream. It's the one that's like, yeah, it's called the Howie scream. Oh, and we get the other one, which is the, yeah, like five times. I mean, if you don't want to blast out your larynx, you use stock screaming. Oh, of course. Uh, they could have. They could have tried to do it more than, you know. They could. They could have. You know, done it a little bit more sparingly. But I gotta say, some of all the stuff in hell is very good. Yeah. No, I I agree. It's a very. It's a good depiction of hell and the tortures and whatnot. Considering there was those guys with like. They did something fun with the cameras where I think they shot it in, like, slow... They, like, they they sped up footage of guys, like, shaking their heads around. It looks like they're, like, like basically seizing and, like, shaking their heads. And it's, it's kind of genuinely a, a uh, distressing sight. Yes. Um, 
It's very similar to effect I saw on Jacob's Ladder. Yes. But the blubbering noises that accompany it is fucking funny as hell. Could it, it could have been genuinely a a shocking thing to see, but and that, they use cartoon sound effects. But so yeah, it's it's mildly disturbing. Then you hear <laughs> but other tortures we have are landlords and bankers getting like seared brands into their head. We have via a typewriter on them via a, via ty- a typewriter, right? But the funny part is they line up for it. They get stamped and they scream, and then they run off to the next thing. It's like they're going <laughs> through like an amusement park, or they're going through like uh, going through like paperwork. <laughs> no paperwork isn't this fun, although it is or- that horrifying. And we get introduced to our lead. By the name of Veronica. The names here are hilarious. Because our leading lady here, her character's name is Veronica. And we get our stereotypical demon chicks with really dumb little wings, tiny little nubby horns, and no eyebrows. They reminded me of the vampires from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. A little bit. With the no eyebrows. Yeah. With a little bit more of a pronounced browage. Browage. But here's the other thing. The other demon with Veronica is named Mary. I don't get it. It's just, it's very interesting to me to have a demon, a demon named Mary. Well, that is a biblical name. Here's the thing. Something that we will find out that these are actually rather religious demons. There are some very heavy religious uh, tones in this movie. Right. So getting into it, first of all, before we get into that... Uh, we have Veronica. She's like, oh, I see visions of the fucking above world. And their demon professor is like, fuck you. And kicks her in the legs or whatever. And she goes to her dad. And her dad is like, stop what you're doing. This is your job is here in hell. And from that, she goes to talk to her mom, who is like making soup out of human bones. She's like, oh, don't worry about your dad. We were all young once. Here's the thing. Her mother's name is Teresa. I know. That's great. She is literally Mother Teresa. It's great. But so there, there, she has the soup. And initially, what I thought to be a bit is them saying grace. I thought that was just a joke. I, no, that's a plot point. I thought so as well. I was like... Are they actually saying amen and Lord in regard to Satan? No, they're saying it in regards to God. These demons are straight up religious. I genuinely can't think of any other work of fiction that That has demons as subservient to God Almighty. Like it makes sense because they're they're here to punish sinners. Yeah. They themselves are being punished, but they still do the bidding of the Lord. They're They're doing a job. And it is genuinely a interesting take on this kind of biblical canon of having the demons be like, I serve God. I am going to punish the sinners. I am going to, you know, sear these evil people. Yeah. And it, 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 I, it was taken aback because I was thinking, huh, that's actually clever. Yeah. It's like. 
How dare you, full moon? In the in the beginning, you think, oh, they're demons. They're talking about worshipping Satan. No, you find out later on. They're actually doing the Lord's work. And I'm just like, what? Okay, that's clever. It It's a good means to make a heroine out of a demon. It's definitely subversive and... I think it could could have only been done with a woman director. It is it it's it's genuinely just one of those things where I I sit back and all the pieces kind of come together where it's like this this is unique. It makes sense. This is a just just interesting. I think that's ultimately with this movie is everything is competently put together and anything that isn't competent is just interesting. Yeah. It makes for an enjoyable, somewhat thought-provoking watch. It's still got its moments of camp. It's full moon. And you're still going to see tits. Which, uh, speaking of which, one of the camp is the dad, who looks more like an ogre than a demon. He does look like an ogre. He, he, like, is yelling at his daughter for, you know, being like, No, you can't go to the human place. He throws a sword at her and she runs off. And, oh, we forgot to mention that her and Mary were just like, oh, yeah, here's the portal to the surface. Apparently, Mary's uncle found a passageway up to the mortal world. And it's just unguarded. It's there. It's unguarded because plot. Well, the, what they say is it's unguarded because no demon would go there in their physical body. Yeah. Like, normally they're summoned or they're there through possession so they don't have to worry about their physical form being injured or harmed. Which makes total right. sense. But Again. Cool. But Veronica leaves her house and she takes her good boy with her. Right. So there's also a dog named Hellraiser. It's and... a good boy German Shepherd dog actor. They try so hard at times to make this dog look like it's eating people, but it's so clearly just like eating kibble off screen. <laughs> it's so it's a good boy. It's a very good boy. Good boy dog actor, but she leaves home with her good boy dog and escapes to the mortal world and hell lets out into a sewer. Sounds about right. Yeah. And she gets up, she get, gets out. She just kind of look, turns into a human, I guess. Sure, fine. Because being human means having eyebrows. And it means tits. <laughs> Even though she had clothes on literally two seconds ago, being da, 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 human... Da, 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 da. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> she... I, that, was, that was almost certainly a Charles Band directive. Yeah. But a lot... With... With her good boy, she floats through a crowd of judgmental old people and then runs away. Judgmental Romanians. And you do get the sense of her just kind of being like very confused by the whole situation. Yeah. Which is good. And in addition to that, we we now move forward to meeting our male lead, Dr. Max, who is, in my opinion, 
as close to Jeffrey Combs as you can get without being Jeffrey Combs. No, see, I I didn't read Jeffrey Combs. I did read another character that Jeffrey Combs has played alongside. Because... The, the, yeah, the... No, go ahead. I didn't read Jeffrey Combs. I read Bruce Abbott as Dan Kane from Reanimator. Right. Because he got no yeah. spine. <laughs> Max is spineless. He's right. He's a beta male. I think in in this introduction is somewhat reminiscent of Reanimator as well. It is. It's very reminiscent of Reanimator because we're introduced to Max as a as a individual is brought in having suffered some gunshot wounds. And he's just cursing up a storm. Meanwhile, another individual is brought in, and it's the woman he was in a tussle with. And he's trying to deal with this belligerent patient of his who's yelling at this old woman lying on a gurney next to him, flatlining. He gets wheeled away for surgery, and Dan... I I want to call him Dan. Max, <laughs> Max is... Faced with the dilemma of does he save the living patient or who is obviously a criminal, or does he go and try to resuscitate a an old woman who was defending herself, but will ultimately be a waste of time because she's already far too far gone. And that, and this is gonna sound weird considering we're talking about a full moon movie. That's kind of a theme of. Of the question of if a at the cost of a innocent life, is it worth it to take a bad life? In a sense, I'm not. I don't know if it's been done done well, but that's kind of what the the overall theme of this film is, or the discussion is trying to put in is okay. Bad people are going to do bad things regardless of what you do. So, you know, it's do the thing that's going to help with the most amount of people. This movie is a morality play. It is a good versus evil. It is who should be the judgmenter of evil. And should you take these matters into your own hands, even if it's for a righteous cause? Is it handled particularly well? <laughs> but it's there. And we're introduced to our male lead after he returns home from this harrowing shift, stands on his balcony, and locks eyes with Veronica as she's down in the street wearing an old overcoat that she found, and then she gets hit by a car. <laughs> she's just standing in the middle of the road. There's enough time to lock eyes, fall in love, and then get hit by a car. And the car, you get the view of where the car is, and it's not like he's turning, like, onto a road and she's standing there. It's a straightaway. He definitely saw her, and he I guarantee in his mind, is like, well, either I move or she moves. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no quitter. <laughs> but they, she's taken to the ER... And she she's in the hospital bed. 
And the nurse is like saying, oh, her body is, no matter how many blankets we put on her, she's cold, right? No, it's like what happened was every room that she's been in, the heat's gone out. Right. So for some reason, she has an ability against electrical appliances. It's not particularly explored, but even weirder than that, damn, she got some big feet. <laughs> the nurse is here foot shaming Veronica, just like it's it's, re- <laughs> it's genuinely really funny when she's like, "Oh, there's this weird supernatural stuff happening where every room we put her in, it gets really cold." And also, look at how big her feet is. That's even weirder. It's it's such a weird point to make. It's like, why did they have to point out that her feet were so big i would assume that's meant to be a demon thing but i don't know why i don't either but veronica wakes up max reassures her that her dog is just fine he's at the pound i don't know why he's being held at the pound when they know he has an owner but veronica immediately gets up goes to the window looks out looks at the moon and just goes nice 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 and it's there that she kind of... It, it's a bit weird where, first of all, Max is like, Hey, can we... Do we... We shouldn't just let her out. And the... I suppose the head of the hospital is like, Look, she's fine. She's not injured. We can't... We literally can't keep her here. And then the scene after that... No, here's the, here's the funniest thing. Here's the funniest thing that happened before this. As Veronica had just gotten to the hospital, she's relatively fine. And Max convinces her to get back into the oh bed God. and rest. She, I forgot that. She instantly goes to sleep. She's out like the dead. And Can Ma- you go to... You, you should get some sleep. Okay. <laughs> and Max is just like, what the fuck? Snaps his oh, fingers. He, then, he, then he listens to her heart. And it's just the sound of screaming. It's just the sound of screaming. <laughs> it's just the sound of screaming but the next day as he talks to veronica it's like so we're being forced to discharge you also your dog escaped and she's just like oh yeah oh he did he did he escaped from the pound right over there and they look out the window and lo and behold the dog's dog's just waiting there dog's just like i'm here no cage could keep me and then, and this is a bit of a weird one, where I'm not too certain of the implication here. Where Veronica is like, I, or the, she's looking for a place to stay, and Max is like, well, I can't really bring you my, to my place. No, no, no. What happened is, he was asking her if she had any place to stay, and right. she suggests, why don't I just stay with you? And initially he's just like, no, no, I can't, I can't do that. And then she kind of like hypnotizes him. And pops one of his buttons off. Yeah. Which I don't, that never comes back. It was just weird. And that, that raises the question of, I I wish that didn't happen. I would have much preferred it to have just been a, a, a little bit unbelievable, but you know, acceptable of him being like no yeah stay with me because then it kind of brings into question of like okay how much does he love her and how much has he been like enchanted yeah 
I think that ultimately it's it's not meant to be the implication that he is hypnotized by her beyond this point. I think it's more so like she put the notion in his head that her staying with him was a good idea. Yeah, it's not necessarily mind control. It's kind of more like suggestion. mind nudging. It's the power of suggestion. Yeah. I don't it, it's never implied she does it again, which, you know, good. It's just a weird thing to bring forth. It's weird. It's weird. But we leave our hospital and we get proof that Max is a bachelor because all he has in the fridge is an orange on a stem, a tub of butter, and a container of salad dressing. <laughs> she does not know what a refrigerator is, but even her is she is like, damn, you live like this. <laughs> yeah. Max gets her comfortable. He's like, uh, have something to eat. Make yourself at home. I'm going to sleep for a few hours because I got, I'm on call tonight. And while he sleeps, Veronica turns on the TV and ends up watching endless tirades of humans' depravity. This is the 90s equivalent of doom scrolling. Yeah. Where she's just sat in front of the TV, flipping through every single news station, every single, like, thing of just like oh and then this place was bombed and oh and now the mayor is like anti you know anti-choice you it's it's it is just her observing humanity at its worst yes like we get a press conference from the mayor just like oh if we fund this home for indig- indignant women then they're gonna keep leeching off the welfare system and having more babies and this Isn't is just, that going to lead to literally people dying? And he's like, eh. It's proof that the mayor is evil as shit. And Veronica looks to Max as he wakes up and comes out. And he's just like, who is this man? He's terrible. Why is he in control? And he's just like, well, he was voted in and I voted for him too. Which makes Max evil by proxy. Yeah, by by um, Veronica's own logic. Max should be killed. <laughs> By my... I'm not gonna th- yeah, we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to worry about it. By my own logic, Max should be killed. Ooh. Ooh. Getting spicy here on Glass Half Full Moon. You were basically... It's not willful ignorance. It's just... You were guilty by association. And the U.S. Demo- US Democratic system is just more proof of that. I Yeah, I don't think it's meant... We're meant to think too much about it. Because if you do, you're just going to spiral downward into deep, deep despair and depression. But as Max heads to the hotel, Veronica is given some money and goes about her way in the streets nearby his apartment and is approached by a couple of nuns. They're She's very well-meaning. by some num- nuns. They're very they well-meaning. They offer her a sandwich. They have her sandwich, and they give her, and they're like, hey, do you want a place to stay? And she's like, oh, I can't stay at your church because I will burst into flames. And like, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, at least we can give you this here little cross. Hold on to that. And she just, um, her hand immediately starts smoking. She just immediately starts burning her. And here's the thing. This is the point that really threw us on our heads and the whole demons are religious thing. She asks why they would hurt her in this way and that she's always served the Lord well. 
Right. She even starts off when she sees the nun, she's like, I abase myself. She degrades herself in front of these ladies of the Lord. Which means that it's a hierarchy system. I'm sure there's been another piece of fiction that has handled demons in this way. God forbid if I can think of it. I can't think of one either. But we've talked a lot about that. I think that this is around the time when we get some good murdering in. Yes. Yes. Shortly after her uh, run-in with the two nuns, she comes across two guys mugging a woman. And mugging a woman, she, and she just straight up impales one with a pipe. That was great. And then we get perhaps one of my favorite kills of the full moon catalog, when she takes the other guy, like pin, like hangs him up on a tree, and rips his spine out. Yes, she rips his spine out with her bare hands. And then offers it to the other woman she just traumatized she, for life. She's like, here, take this spine. Let it remind you of how your enemies were defeated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Good, some good gore effects, too. Yeah, it's got decent gore effects. Like, the spine's really well made. It's a bit thicker than a standard spine, but it's decently made. It's one of those things where, oh, they this is a creative kill that they did with barely any budget. Yes. And she hands the spine to the lady, and the lady goes screaming, <laughs> scream, screaming along. And oh, and this is also the dog is eating one of the guys. Yeah. He's, he's a good boy. He's just munching, just like, nom, 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 nom. Free food. Nom, 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 nom. And then, after this... I forget if it's the detectives or if it's the dinner scene. It's the detectives. It's the detectives. I like these detectives. Yes. Uh, Greenberg and Harper, I believe, are their names. Uh, let me check IMDb. I know Harper is one. Um, IMDb is not listing their names. We're just going to call them Greenberg and Harper. Sure. So they come across this scene and... The two bodies are strung upside down with the calf meat just straight up ripped off their bones. It's like it's like how the predator kills his victims. And they're looking at it and they're like, Were there any victim were there any witnesses? And it's like, Yeah. One lady who, you know, kinda of lost her mind afterwards. But, and but- it is then that we also get some evidence. For determining who did this. Where they have a coat that is printed on it the name of the hospital. And we get a very good line where... So they're they're saying, were there any witnesses? Yes, there was a woman. She's been taken to All Saints Hospital. And it is then when one of the guys gets picks up the coat and is like, you gotta look at this and you see All Saints Hospital on it. And Greenberg looks and says, well... Guess they ain't all saints. <laughs> but here's another really thing good. that I that I noticed in the scene: she removed their heads. The bodies are headless. You, do you want to know why they did that? So they didn't have to pay the actors. Uh, so they didn't have to pay the actors, or alternatively, make fake heads that yeah. look like the actors. Yeah, 
But also, hanging upside down for a long time like that is painful. That is brutal. Have you experienced that? Um, I've not, but I've seen plenty of interviews with actors who have. Like, there's an opening bit in Repo the Genetic Opera where an actor has to hang upside down for a long while while his spine gets removed. And then, of course, Alan Tudyk uh, in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, he gets stuck upside down for a decent while. And just the interviews or the commentaries about these situations, hanging upside down for that long, if you don't take frequent breaks, it can cause a lot of problems between, like, headaches, um, pressure buildup behind the eyes. um, Because, I mean, all the blood's literally rushing to your head. Well, maybe maybe that explains why I'm so fucked up. I like to sit upside down a lot as a kid. That explains a lot. Anyway. Oh, now, we, now we're going to have dinner. <laughs> uh, where is the implication she made soup out of the spine? The implication is she made dinner out of the muggers. Yes. Where she, she where Max comes home, she has made dinner and they're they're discussing over dinner and they're they're having some some bonding. And I will say, this is perhaps the slowest burn romance we've had so far. You're not wrong. And I think that's to the movie's credit. You're not wrong, it is the slowest. But between Veronica making Max an unwitting cannibal, she also pushes her self-righteous ideology on him. And I know it's meant to be endearing and quirky, but it doesn't really work. I don't, I didn't read that as endearing and quirky i read that as us getting a look into how her her um philosophy works which is basically oh if you commit a sin you're might you're as good as dead you you deserve to die for any sin i if you sin against the lord it's entirely okay if you just die and max is like no i'm a doctor I became a doctor because I believe all life is precious. And, you know, we got, you gotta, and they, they kind of discuss that they don't really come to a resolution one way or another. So they just kind of, you know, let that be. Does, I forget, does Max actually eat the soup? I feel like, doesn't he say he's not hungry? Oh no, he eats it. Oh no. He eats it and then he asks like what it is because it's delicious apparently. I mean... And she says it's a secret. It's an old family recipe, but it's a secret. Which means it's probably human. I'd probably eat people soup. I did always say if I went to jail for a really weird crime, it'd probably be cannibalism. I thought you were going to say people soup, and I was going to say that's a very specific <laughs> thing to go to jail for. No, I prefer to grill. Okay! <laughs> Past our dinner scene... Veronica is once again perusing the streets around the apartment. But this is after she has taken a decent bit of time staring at the TV and writing an intense letter on Max's typewriter. And she does it in, like, super speed, right? Yes. But she's perusing along the streets and Veronica witnesses racism and police brutality for the first time. And so she murders. At least she does understand that all cops are bastards. <laughs> Quite literally, she encounters some good guy cops and she's like, wow, this is a surprise. Yeah. But no, she kills these cops. The guy's like 
holy shit, did you just kill those guys? The guy who was being, like, racially profiled and there was some brutality happening, even he was like, fuck. Yeah, the guy... murdered them. The guy she saved is freaked as hell. And I don't blame him. It's like, yeah, he was being racially profiled and beaten, but still... He just witnessed like two guys get killed. Like, the, the ideal situation there is, like, okay, separate the cops from the guy, and the cops get, you know, reprimanded. Not, they get murdered directly in front of you. I think that is also a big thing of just, like, you witness a human being get ripped apart. Yeah. And she and she is still like, look, I have defeated your enemies. You should be You should be joyous on this day. And he's just like, what the fuck? You just killed two people. Oh my god, I I was seen with you. I'm gonna be an accom- I'm gonna be marked as an accomplice. And he runs the fuck away. And after he runs the fuck away, she leaves a letter for the mayor in the mouth of one of the corpses. It's fucking baller. <laughs> that is how I want my threats to be delivered from here on out. In the mouth, in the of, mouth the of your dead constituents. <laughs> Are you going to go with letter or tattooing it on the tongue? Um, letter, but written on human skin. Clever. Did you leatherize the skin first or is it fresh? Oh, it's leather. Gotta be nice. Neat. And after this, uh, obviously we have the two detectives again. They find the, they find the note and they bring it to the mayor who is sitting in the longest office I have ever seen. Before this, however, we Ooh. get further notations that these demons are religious as fuck because Mother Teresa is visited oh, by right. an angel. Right, right, right. And she's like praying at a cross. Yes, she's praying at a giant cross. And she's visited by an angel via bubblegram. And what does the angel say that, that Veronica is an agent of the first... The first cause. The first cause... Is that a biblical canon thing, or is that something this movie made up? I have no idea. I don't know. But they're just like, yeah, she broke the laws going to going to the mortal world, but we're gonna just keep letting her do her shit. Because, you know, she's doing, doing things for the right reasons and murdering and punishing sinners. So yeah, just leave her be. Also, tell your husband to forgive her. And then we... I'm just have... looking at the, uh... Okay, first cause is a thing. It is a it is a thing from, uh, philosophy. Really? Yeah. What does it entail? Um, first cause... First cause in philosophy, the self-created being, i.e. God, to which every chain of causes must ultimately go back. So it's like, he's the start of all, like, the chain of events of everything in... So by being a part of the first cause, she is, it's basically a verbose way of saying, um, divine, you know, like, uh, divine justice, mysterious ways or whatever. Uh, Okay. Okay. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the mayor's office is in some kind of like grand cathedral. It's really, it's so weird. Like I I get that it's a grand office, but also I don't want an office like that. Can you imagine how awkward it would be to, like, just watch the person you're supposed to have a meeting with walk, like, 15 feet from your door to your desk? Also, his TV was really far away. 
Oh, he likes it like that. <laughs> he likes it when you can barely see it. <laughs> he likes the eye strain. It makes him feel alive. <laughs> it makes him feel like a big man with a tiny TV. <laughs> but no, the mayor's like, hey, have you... Uh, the people here want basically want this killer to have, you know, the... Uh, or no, rather, the mayor is like, hey... Have you caught this killer yet? And they're like, no. But they're clearly fucking crazy. And they have some kind of animal with them. And it's so clear, it's it's very clear that the cops do not like the mayor. And are simply doing their job. But they're also and... like, well, the victims were two muggers with multiple, with a pretty heavy rap sheet. They'd had prior incidences but also the cops she killed both had indictments against them for excessive force and whatnot. So I was like, I mean, the people that were killed probably deserved it, but we can't have a vigilante on our hands doing self-righteous justice and whatnot. Yeah, and it is one of those things where, again, it's a bit of an interesting argument of like, okay, these are bad people, but... They don't, at the same time, they probably didn't deserve to die. No, but the letter that she had penned for the mayor said, you're evil, you should not be in power, resign or I will make you. And here's a little quirk. The G on her letter is off center. So is there meaning to that? There is. Because oh. after they leave... They come and question Veronica because she lives in the apartment building that is on the same block as the murders, as where the murders had taken place. Oh. She invites them inside and they, as they're questioning her, they notice a piece of paper that Max had left out in regards to a prognosis for a patient. And it has the same off-center G-stroke as the letter that was left for the mayor. Curious. Curious. But then she threatens the cops. She basically straight up told them that she did it. Oh, hey, oh yeah. Max? Nah, he couldn't hurt a fly. Me, however. Hmm. All I'm saying is those flies better look out. <laughs> and they're, they, they leave and they're like, she fucking did it. Yeah. They're basically like, yeah, we need we need to have a tail on her. And we get that as later in the evening, Veronica tears up Max's couch to make herself a fancy leather outfit. I mean, probably could have just bought some clothes. And before they leave, she feeds Hellraiser the liver of the cop. <laughs> she cut out oh, his I liver and took it home and fed it to her dog. And we should say that uh, she made an outfit because she wants to go see a movie. A movie she saw in a theater. No, she she thought, saw the advertisement for the movie and she's like, I want to see this. Now, now when she said this, I was thinking, okay, what full moon movie are they going to reference? That's what I this thought as a, well. But no, they watch porn. <laughs> she makes Max take her to a porno. This is very funny. <laughs> like, there's full on, you don't see anything, but you hear it. And she's just so engrossed. 
Like, it's the most interesting thing she's ever seen in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it makes... It, it. I was going to say it makes sense, but it doesn't. <laughs> and, the, and the detectives are in the back row and <laughs> watching them. But also Greenberg's watching the movie. He's got popcorn. He's like, I like her tattoo. And then a guy kind of collapses for some reason. Yeah, I think he fell asleep. That was weird. It was a little strange. I think I think Charles Band asked for that. Probably. After the film, they go clubbing. And Max, Veronica's like, how did you enjoy the movie? And Max is like, it was porn. <laughs> Straight up, that's what she. That's what the how the interaction goes. It's like, how did you like the movie? It was pornographic. It's 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 funny. It's quite funny. It's it's amusing. And okay, this is a this is one of those scenes where it's like this feels like a movie, where first of all she meets, they they meet um one of Max's old classmates, one of one of his uh people he went to school with and she is clearly like man i wish we would just fuck you and me her name is Max. lois well we can't all be winners <laughs> and and she's like yeah well i wish we would have fucked anyway see ya and veronica's like that's my man even though she, it really isn't she follows lois to the bathroom and goes straight up possessive as shit over Max. Simply because Lois flirted with him. She straight up says, that there is my man. You stay the fuck away. And Lois is just crumpled in a ball on the floor, sobbing and apologizing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel so bad for her. It, it is genuinely, again, one of those scenes where it's a little bit more complex. Where up to this point, we, um, Veronica has been a very morally just character by her own morality. Where it's like, she has only ever acted based on, if you're a sinner, you deserve to die. That is her philosophy. But in this moment, she is partaking in jealousy, a bit of envy. How or just being protective. However, she justifies it because she claims Lois is coveting. Even though Max isn't really her man at this point. Exactly. It adds a layer of complexity to this character. But. Where afterwards, there's there's some dude doing cocaine in the bathroom stall. Yeah, you know. she, she had instructed all the other women in the bathroom to get the fuck out. But there was a dude and his lady doing coke in the stall. And when they come out... She stabs, this guy stabs Veronica in the gut. Yep. And afterwards, she is left, she looks in the mirror, her eyes, by the way, this actress, striking blue eyes. Yeah. But during this moment, she her eyes have turned red. And you can tell that she she is able to recognize that she has, she she has been against her own moral code in in uh going uh, like striking against lois and she is very apologetic and trying to to make up for this and just clearly there is conflict within her 
And then Detective Harper shows up in the bathroom. This is also a good scene where she's like, look, stay away. I don't want to... You stop. I don't want you in my life anymore. And he's like, yeah, and... She's like, okay, cool. I'm going to show you what hell is like. And grabs him and, like, beams visions of hell into his mind. And we get, like, an overlay of people burning and him, like, swinging his head around like, ah! We get get an overlay of the opening scene of the movie. Oh, yeah, they didn't film additional scenes. No, they just straight up overlaid the the opening scene. But I feel so bad for Harper. He got fucked for doing his job. Yeah, he. It, it, Veronica is not a good character. She's not, not like a... in the sense that she's morally good. She's a demon. But there, again, it's a layer of complexity where she's not morally good, but she has a code. She's lawful evil, basically. Yeah. So Harper leaves her alone. He. Shuffles out of the club, just sweating bullets, shaking like a leaf. Max and Veronica are getting in their car. They're leaving, and the and a detective Greenberg is like, "Oh shit, we gotta go after them." And Harper's like, "Nope, no, we don't. Like fuck, we do. We are staying right here." And then we get to the romance part of this movie as Max is getting ready to stitch up Veronica's stab wound. No anesthetic, and she's just like, I want to fuck you. And to Max's credit, he's like, no, you're wounded. And he, up until the very time moment it happens, he's like, no, this isn't the time. This isn't the place. But... You know, the moment, emotions take over. The moment her stab wound is completely stitched up and he cuts away the thread, they start getting frisky. And then, holy fuck, they lit so many candles for sex. How- I don't think about it. <laughs> How long did that take and why does Max have so many candles? There's literally dozens of candles on the floor around the bed where they are having sex and if you think about it for even a moment of them like because they were very clearly very very horny and very into it just a few moments ago and then them stopping like wait we need to set the mood (laughs) and then just going around lighting each individual candle and setting it down placing it meticulously but why does max have that many candles he was waiting for this moment there were so many candles but there were there other, were enough there were enough candles to to fill a fucking basilica. It it was a fire hazard. It certainly was a fire hazard. But moving moving beyond that very silly detail. We get a full minute and a half of cuts of them rolling around in bed, two candles, two o'clock, over and over again. I would go as far as to say this was tastefully done. It wasn't the worst. It's not the it most was, depraved sex scene I've seen from a full moon uh, feature. It felt, I don't want to say it felt earned, but it felt like it was properly built up to. It was still only within the span of a few days. Yeah, I think that's just comparatively to other full moon features. And again, with the shot composition, this was shot 
like a movie and it was shot well but you know when things start getting busy she starts getting excited she gets horny literally (laughs) as she starts to turn into a demon and she's like hey just just fyi kind of demonic here and he's like nice (laughs) she's like this is me and this is where I was like, guy has less of a spine than Dan Kane from Reanimator. Less of a spine than that guy from earlier in the movie. <laughs> but there, there is some demonic erotica, I suppose we could call it, where they're, and then there's the the, um, postcoital cuddling, and her wing is like stuck underneath the blanket halfway and it looks very silly it's it's not a good wing the wings are not good no and we'll, we'll get into this we'll get into that we'll get into the uh the, the the cost of this film later but after the coitus happens when this this is when we cut back to the police station and uh detect and the detectives like yo the end times are coming i don't want to work on this case no more and Forgive me, can you what happens after this? So we cut back to Veronica. She's fully clothed. She's decided to take matters into her own ma- hands and she has pulled a photo from a magazine of the mayor and Hellraiser is finally doing his purpose and she has our demon good boy sniff out the mayor's location. Just from his picture. Yes. And when they get there, we get a... Now, this is a bit weird. Where, first of all, she there's some like guards around, and she just kind of makes one of them fall asleep. She doesn't kill him. Just I mean, he's, he's just doing his job. And then we go to the mayor, who is like... It's like the scene from Poltergeist, where the guy is like pulling his face off yeah but instead he's like his teeth start falling out and his fingernails come off yeah i think i had a dream like that once oh wait no that's all the time Mm. Mm. but But that it turns out to be a hallucination yeah that was probably the one moment that was the closest to being actually horror yeah and veronica doesn't kill him he she just kind of does the same thing he did she did with the detective and makes him be like yo let me make you look at hell yeah and then just leaves him i think what that is meant to be is character development but it's not earned it's not it's very rushed it's very rushed in a film that is the longest we've had thus far but i think with harper uh i mean Harper kind of proved to her that he wasn't a bad guy. Right. During their questioning of her in, in in Max's apartment. So he got off with just the warning. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that she would do the same thing with the mayor when he's proven just how evil he can be. Although it could be the fact that she's never actually witnessed him doing anything evil. Right. She's only heard his rhetoric but v 
Veronica escapes from the mayor's house after showing him visions of hell as a way to make him reform, I guess. And she gets shot in the back. Yeah. This was, again, weird and unearned. Where they got... She gets shot by some random guy, right? Yeah. I believe one of his guards. Yeah, it, it, it but it's not like someone that was set up. It's it, He was just kind of got shot. And then afterwards, she goes back to Max and he is like, Hey, you've been shot. I need to call an ambulance. And she, and, and she's... Oh, and then the, 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 what is it? Fucking Angel comes back. So, Veronica is in Max's apartment. She's just like, no, I'm content to die here. This is fine. Her parents, down in hell, get another bubblegram from the Angel, asking permission to bring her home. And as, after they get, after they get permission... They return and show up in a full-length mirror that just happens to be in Max's bedroom. Uh, don't worry about it. And she's just like, I need to take Veronica home to bathe in the healing waters of the river Styx. I don't think that is... I don't think that's what the river Styx does. Mm, Pretty sure that's not what it does. But Veronica goes through the mirror and... Max is sad, of course, because he lost his lady. The mayor holds a press conference stating that he's resigning. He's going to retire to a monastery to contemplate goodness. And as Max lies in bed with this revelation, Veronica returns from hell through the mirror she left through. For some reason, coming back in a wedding dress with a veil. My man, getting on with the demon. And that is how our movie ends. I would say that's a happy ending. Yeah, but it's just like, why did she come back in a wedding dress? It's hot? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, not the worst movie. Funny in places. I give it a six. Would you recommend this movie to anyone? Um, you have to be into a kind of particular sort of rom-com schlock. Yeah, I think that's the one important thing is this isn't necessarily a horror. This isn't necessarily a straight comedy. This is... M- definitely leans more into the romance direction it's a rom-com compared to some of the other stuff yeah and it's it's again i I enjoyed it okay you enjoyed it yeah and so if if you seem like this is something you'd enjoy i say give it a watch worst thing Uh, you lose is an hour and a half of your time and that's not valuable nope you're listening to us Obviously, you don't care too much about your time. And, oh, so how much do you think this movie cost? Uh, 600000 350000 Damn, I was close. That's so little money. It's not that much money in terms of movies. It, it is, but they did a lot with it, I think. Now... Uh, this is a question I've thought about. In the full Mooniverse, who is Dark Angel going up against? Ooh, who do I pit Veronica against? Um, who do I pit Veronica against? I'm gonna pit her against Leech Woman from Puppet Master. Specifically Leech Woman? Yes. 
I thought about this, and what I want is Veronica versus Doctor Mordred, but it's a it's a Godzilla versus Kong type thing, where they are at the beginning of the film they're against each other, but then they need to team up against some even bigger bad. <laughs> Mecha Mordred. <laughs> I would I would kickstart that in a heartbeat. Mecha Mordred. I still don't think it's as good as the team-up of Bob and Popescu from Subspecies. I think, yeah. Nothing but, could beat up beat the team-up of Bob and Popescu. But that's not what we're here to discuss. Nope. We're here to discuss, or I guess we're no longer discussing uh, Dark Angel of the Descent, the Ascent. So, I guess, what's, what's next? So, next week, we... I guess not week. Next episode, we get a full moon Lovecraft adaptation, Lurking Fear. So if it's Lovecraft, better hope Jeffrey Combs is involved. I. Here's the thing. The last time we had a, a book film adaptation from Full Moon, we got The Pit and the Pendulum. From Stuart Gordon. Right. Which was a film that was really fucking weird. Oh, Jeffrey Combs in this is in this. I'm happy. Is he? Yes. Oh, oh, and I'm I am here. I am now suddenly very awake, <laughs> and I'm gonna go watch that right now. <laughs> but but uh, while I'm watching that, I, I hope all of you have yourselves an absolutely horrible evening, and you know, maybe maybe just. Don't be a dick or else you'll have your spine ripped out. Be a good person, but don't don't donate to the Salvation Army. Sure. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. 